0: Epaphroditus arrived at Philippi, and I'm sure to much the delight of the family, the friends, and the Christians there in the church at Philippi. Epaphroditus had with him a letter from the Apostle Paul. Paul was in Roman prison. And yet the church there at Philippi had had such a wonderful relationship with him. According to chapter 1 and verse 5, they had had fellowship with him in the furtherance of the gospel from the first day until then. They have worked together and accomplished a lot. Now Paul, as he has written this letter to them, It's going to be incumbent upon the church there at Philippi to read it, to digest its contents, and apply the teachings. We've been for about eight or nine weeks now studying in the book of Philippians on Sunday morning. We have been reading, understanding, and hopefully applying some of the teachings that are found therein. This morning, we're going to begin with verse 19 of chapter 2 and study through verse 30. And we're going to look at the topic of tremendous teamwork. And by way of introduction this morning, I'd like to ask you to contemplate, think with me for just a little bit, about what is the value of teamwork? How important is it? Well, to understand that, I think one of the best passages found in the Bible is found in the book of Ecclesiastes as Solomon explores this in chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And so let's for just a moment, in introducing this subject, look at what Solomon says. Then I returned and saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone. Without companion, he has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and grave misfortune. Two are better than one. "...because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him." And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. If you just think for a moment about just a few of the things that Solomon says, he talks about a man who is standing alone. He has no son, he has no brother, he has no companion. And he says, For whom does he labor? You think about those families that have been so misfortunate as not to have had. A child? To whom will they leave their estate? To whom will they leave all that they have worked so hard for in life? You know, that is a question that Solomon explores. And then he talks about a man who falls. It's sad because he doesn't have somebody there to help him back up. He then gives a picture of a man who would be attacked. And he says, woe to him who is alone because he has no one to withstand him. And he also gives an example about a person lying down to keep warm. And he says, if he doesn't have a companion, how can he keep warm? When Solomon looks at all this, he describes the value of teamwork, partnership. I'd like you to imagine how much more work gets done when people work together. When we work together as a team, not as individuals. The key to having teamwork is to have talented, trustworthy, and tireless members. That is, we all put forth the same effort We're all dependable. We all do our job. You might ask, well, how does this apply to us? How does this tie in to the text in which we will study? Well, I'd like you to consider the people and the principles. This morning we're going to explore for just a little while the life of Timothy and how he fits in this great picture that Paul is discussing. And then we'll look at Epaphroditus, not nearly as extensive, but nevertheless, his work was also important. And then we'll look at some principles for today, how you and I ought to take this passage and learn something from it and apply it. Let's begin, first of all, with verses 19 through 24. These are some valuable verses for us. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for they all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, that as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall come shortly. Timothy is an extremely important person in the New Testament. You really should take some time in your own personal studies to do some character studies. Pull some of these people's lives and look at them see their mistakes, see their successes, but I encourage you to see, for instance, how they impacted the Lord's church. Let me tell you a little bit about Timothy as we explore the Bible. In Acts 16, verses 1 and 2, he was a convert at Lystra. That's in the area of central Turkey today. And as Paul came to these cities, Luke records, then he came to Derbe and Lystra, And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. For just a moment, explore with me here. He is a disciple. He is a follower of the Lord. We know where he got his direction and his guidance because it says that he was the son of a certain Jewish woman. She's a special person herself. This young man is well spoken of by the brethren. He has already, even at his young age, taken on an example of leadership. As you look further in the Bible, you will find that his mother and grandmother had a tremendous impact on his rearing. Paul would tell him in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. Many of us have been blessed By having Christian grandparents and Christian parents who have reared us and taught us. In fact, when you get to chapter 3 and verse 15, he says that, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation which is through faith in Christ Jesus. From a child you have been blessed Think about how many of us have had that kind of rearing. We've been blessed, folks, like Timothy was. And then Paul would go on to emphasize how that Timothy had frequently served with him in a number of areas. Now, look specifically at this text. There are some things this text says about Timothy. He says, Paul speaking, he says he would dispatch him shortly. In fact, he uses the word at once. As soon as I see how it goes with me, he's not going to tarry. He is going to send Timothy quickly. There's a need for it. Timothy's the kind of man that you could be able to say, Timothy, I need you to go do this job. Okay, let me go. Second thing that you will notice, and perhaps the most important part of this, Paul says, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. He goes on to speak about others. He says, for they all seek their own. They're looking at whatever things they might be able to get out of it. But that's not who Timothy is. Timothy is a sincere person. He cares about other people. I know this is an important topic to Paul. Because if you go back to chapter 1 and you look at verses 15 through 17, he says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and strife and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition. Now, notice carefully there those two verses. Some preach Christ from envy and strife. He said some people do it because they have a selfish ambition. It's all about what they are getting out of it. Paul said that's not who Timothy is. He's doing it for the right reason. When you come to chapter 2 and he's talking about the mind that a person ought to possess, he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition and conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Paul said, I can trust Timothy because what he will do is he won't be thinking about himself and about his own selfish ambitions. He'll be thinking about the church and what the church needs. And then Paul says he has a proven character. Proven. Tested. Many times Timothy had been put in the field to do the work, and what did he do? Just like a son serves with a father, Paul knew that he could do the work and would do the work. Now I want you to look at this text at what it says about the work that Timothy was to do. You see, we've seen his character. Now what does Paul expect him? He says, I want him to report on the state of the church. What if Timothy were sent to Bobby Branch? What is the state of the church at this very moment? You know, there are some churches that are in turmoil. They're going through strife. They're going through difficulty. They're going through a conflict. There are other churches that their state is one of satisfaction. Do you remember the church at Laodicea? I'm rich, got riches, have need of nothing. There's some churches that are that are struggling to be able to have an impact in their community. Maybe they're facing a number of challenges, like the devil putting roadblocks in front of them. And there's some congregations that are doing very well. They're successful, not because of their own. Ability, but because they're following God's plan and doing it the way God wants it done, Paul wants to know what is the state of the church at Philippi. What are they doing? I want you to listen to First Thessalonians chapter three, verses one and two. When Paul dispatched Timothy to Thessalonica, he says, "Therefore, when I could no, or we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens and to send Timothy." our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you, encourage you concerning the faith. He said we sent Timothy because we know you need this strengthening. You drop down to verse 6, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, And that you always have a good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Paul said, I was thrilled to death when I got the message from Thessalonica. We sent Timothy and it was a good report. The the state of the church is good. Listen to 1 Corinthians 16 verse 10. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear... For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. When Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. When Timothy comes, don't make him fearful for his life or fearful for your uh, treatment of him. He's doing God's work. Timothy would be the kind of person that go to Corinth, look and see how they're acting. Sometimes he brought back a word that was not as pleasant. Proverbs 25, 25 says this, Cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. Paul's in prison. He wants to know if the church there is succeeding and doing well, and he's going to get a good message. And he's going to send Timothy to do it. In 2 Corinthians 7, verses 6 and 7, Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. When Titus came back to Paul from Corinth, Paul was as you would, might say, wringing his hands. This church has so many problems. Are they going to be able to pull out of it? And Paul would say, when Titus got back, we had relief because of the work. I would suggest to you, when you're studying the book of Philippians, Timothy has an important work here. Now let me move to the second individual. Look with me now at verses 25 through 30. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, our brother, or my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death. God have mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him to you the more eagerly, that when you see again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in high esteem, or in esteem, Because to the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Now, the truth is, all we know about Epaphroditus comes from the book of Philippians. This section here, verses 25 through 30, represents the majority of it. There's one other mention in chapter 4, verse 18, where we read... And I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice well pleasing to God. Let me tell you what you can put together from these verses. You can put together the fact that Epaphroditus brought something with him from Philippi to Paul. While he was in Rome. While Paul was in Rome and Epaphroditus was with him, he got sick. What was the nature of his illness? Paul doesn't say. How serious was his illness? Unto death. Very serious. Now Epaphroditus is being sent back to the church there at Philippi. Let's look at a description of his role. Paul said he's my brother. That means he is a fellow member of the Lord's church, a part of the family of God. He's my fellow worker. That's a term that Paul uses to describe somebody who is not a freeloader, but he's a worker. Somebody who works with me. My fellow soldier. Today is Veterans Day. Many men have served on the battlefield side by side with others who had their back and they had their others' back. That's the same thing that Paul is using to describe Epaphroditus. And then he says, your messenger. I thought it was interesting to notice that the word here for messenger Is apostolos, or apostle. He's one that you sent on a mission. That's what the word apostle means. And then minister. And he uses a unique word here for minister, which indicates the idea of one having risen to a level of an appointment, a level of an authority, and that's who Epaphroditus is. His dedication was for the work of Christ. He came close to death, not regarding his life. He didn't look at himself and say, you know what, if I do this, this may end up hurting me. Both Paul and the church were emotionally attached to Epaphroditus. Have you ever found somebody who works with you that you can't help but just love them? people who have made such an impact on your life. Whenever I think about somebody who everybody loved and appreciated, I always think about Brother Mac. Somebody who fulfilled a tremendous role in the Lord's Church. Paul says about Epaphroditus, describing his condition with him, he was longing for you all. Don't you imagine this man sick. He's in Rome and he wants to go home. I guarantee you one thing, if I am away from home and I get sick, you know where I want to be? I want to be at home. Paul says he was sick almost to death. But God had mercy on both Epaphroditus by sparing his life. He had mercy on Paul because Paul would have had sorrow upon sorrow. How would you like to be the one to whom someone was sent? He got sick while he was with you and died and didn't make it back. Paul said, I'm glad God was merciful to us. Now Paul's response to this was that the church, upon his return, should esteem such men. We talk about good men who go into the mission fields, who carry the gospel into hard and difficult places. What should be our treatment of those people? We should hold them in esteem because they've hazarded their lives for the sake of the gospel. Well, now we've got to apply this. And there's so many good people today serving on the same team. Paul served his time. Timothy served his time. Epaphroditus did his. We're still a part of that same team, if you will. We are the Lord's church. We are a body of people who work together. As such... We need to be encouragers of one another to bring out the best in one another. Listen as the Hebrew writer speaks in chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. He is saying that those of us who are a part of this team ought to encourage one another. If you were on the battlefield, you'd want to look at your fellow comrade, the one that you served with, and encourage him because you two are in the battle together. We stand together as a church that needs to work together. We need to be people who put the good of the church ahead of our own. How many times have people destroyed the Lord's church in places because they were not concerned about the church as a whole, they were concerned about themselves as individuals? May the Lord's Church here at Body Branch always have people who say the church is more important than me. In 2 Corinthians 11, 28, Paul says, Besides other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Now I'd suggest, brethren, that not only should we be concerned for us, we ought to be concerned about the church as a whole, wherever it might meet. In Third John 9-11, through we can see the antithesis, the opposite of what God wanted. He said, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words and not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to putting them out of the church. But beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. We don't want to be like that. Now, I recognize I'm getting very close to the end of the lesson, so I want to bring back the focus. What was the focus of Timothy? Epaphroditus? Paul? The church at Philippi? What is the purpose of the Lord's church here at Bobby Branch? Are we a social organization? Are we here to talk to our friends and our family, our acquaintances about the football games yesterday? Are we here to talk about other shared interests? Are we just a social organization? No. If you want to do that, get on Facebook. Are we... A benevolent organization, service organization. Are we only about trying to help people who need food to eat, clothes to wear, a place to live? There's an aspect of that that is a part of the church. But it was always, and I emphasize always, secondary In the New Testament to the main focus of the mission. We are here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. In Mark 16 verse 15, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. In Romans 1 verse 14, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also for the Greek. And Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, brings it together, implies it, he says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto all things to him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are. All a part of that Lord's body. Now let me conclude this by asking, how do you view yourself as a part of the Lord's body? Now this is important. How do I look at myself? Where do I fit in? Well, Paul will ask that same sort of question in 1 Corinthians 12. Their situation was slightly different, but it was in much the same way applicable to us. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and have all been made to drink of one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. Now here's where he begins to apply this. If the foot should say because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it not is it therefore not of the body? Because I don't have the same role. Does that mean that I'm not a part of the team? No, you still are. And if the ear should say because I'm not the eye, I'm not a part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole were body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where would be the smelling? But God has set in the members of the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Now you drop down to verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. You and I ought to have care for one another and what part we fit in it. What are you doing as a part of the teamwork to promote the Lord's cause? Are you satisfied with where you are? It would be very easy for us to be. But folks, we've got to look at the mission we have before us, the preaching of the gospel. We have got to focus on the fact that I've got to be a part of this team. I've got to be contributing for the Lord's work to be successful. We have our great task, and it demands our loyalty and our devotion. You'll open your song books now to the Song of Invitation. If you're not a Christian, the Lord's hand is extended to you. He loves you. He died for you. He asks that you come to Him in faith. He asks that you repent of your sins and confess your faith in Him and be baptized. If you've not yet done that, we encourage you to do that this morning. If you are a Christian and there's sin in your life, We beg you, we plead with you to correct it while you have the opportunity. If you need to, would you come as we stand and sing?